For those of you who um, do not know Roger Smeal, um, Brother Roger is going to be sharing the word with us this morning. Um, Roger heads up an inner city work in Easton, just across the river, and we've been uh, blessed to partner with him in that work. And um, he's going to come this morning and share God's word with us. Roger, Gail, thank you for coming with us today. It gets, and thank you for letting us come today. How's everybody today? Good. We bring you greetings uh, from the city of Easton, Legacy Ministries and the Church Without Walls, uh, still in existence. We're going to our 11th year, praise God. It's been an awesome journey, and much of the journey um, has been because of your prayers and actually great friendships that we've developed here and through your support of, of Legacy Ministries. So I've come today to thank you uh, over and over again um, because of your love. Is that a fair statement? You guys love us. And as part of the body of Christ, we've worked together to do something that is expanding the kingdom of God. It's a good thing. And I just praise God. And for those of you who don't know my wife, Gail, I'd like to have Gail stand up for a minute. This is my wife, Gail. She's, uh, without her, I wouldn't even be saved. God used her for a great purpose. She suffered a great deal, and finally, and sitting next to her is a dear friend of ours, Donna Ruggiero, which I'll be introducing to you now and a little bit later as well. Donna is part of Legacy Ministries. And uh, so let me tell you, I don't even have a title for this sermon. It's just something from my heart. Fair enough? It has a lot to do about giving and the result of it and who's blessed and how that happens and so i'd like you to turn to the book of matthew i'm going to have three readings in the book of matthew um i promised uh fran pilch when i saw her in the in the hallway that i would keep this short and i mean to um she said oh what will we do with ourselves so i don't know where we're at today but uh, i hope you didn't don't no one has a roast in the oven um, I'm going to speak to you out of Matthew chapter 10 to begin with, and I'm going to read a bit of scripture, but I only have a few comments to make. And just think in your own hearts about what is being said by the Lord to his disciples. If you would go to chapter 10 of the book of Matthew, beginning at verse 5, and it says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Remember that. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic, or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his keep. Now, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there, and stay at his house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. God has given us 
like those disciples, given us a great deal. Freely, he has given to us out of his treasure chest of gifting, of talents, personalities, strengths, weaknesses, resources, whether they be considered financial resources or whatever it is that we have, God has equipped his church to do great things. Remember that it has come from him. So important. And because you have received bountifully from the Lord, give it away bountifully, knowing full well that the storerooms of God can be tested but never emptied. Always know that as you give, you give as you have received. As you give away, you earn, you learn something about yourself. How much is God the giver of life, the giver of all good things? How much do you understand that? What impact does it have on your life? And then you're set free to give. As you have given specifically to Legacy Ministries, we have imitated your generosity. We also give so that others might be able to prosper the kingdom of heaven. We've learned something along the way. I believe that you guys know this, and I'm really learning it well at this point, is that because we have something wonderful to give, um, I remember when John and, uh, it was Peter and John, as they walked into the gate and there was a, a man there crippled and he was begging and they said, silver and gold we have not but what we have we give to you, stand in the name of Jesus. The ability to bring something so resonant as new life and physical strength, emotional strength into the life of another human being is absolutely incredible. And so as we see that kind of gifting, we also see how it is received, and we have to become just as aware of that. If someone that you're giving to is abusing it, Shake the dust off your feet. Just like the disciples were told, go into a town, go to a village, find a man of peace, find a house of peace. If your peace stays there, stay there and you do your work. If it doesn't, it's rejected. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's a sense of entitlement in the world. We run into it all the time in Easton. When you deal with folks that have, I think the 2000 census said that there are only 16.1% of all people in the West Ward, that's where we're located, that actually have a high school diploma. Many people have learned how to live on the welfare system and learned how to expect that there will be something for them. Now, I, I have a great love in my heart for all people, and especially them. I don't know why God put it in my heart for them, but he has. I love these people. I encourage these people. Our whole church does. But you get a sense one day when, like last Tuesday, um, we, we've not fed for about a month now on a Tuesday night. We took a break. We needed it. But people were standing outside the church demanding that we feed them. Like we didn't have any right not to have food on the table for them. And we began to realize that, you know what? There, there's something going on here. They're looking at us like an extension of a social agency. And the glory of God's word is being cast away. And the hearts are being focused on what will fill their bellies and satisfy their bodies. But the message of Christ is falling short. And so we have a new strength inside of us to make sure that whatever we do with what God has given us is given to those 
not because we judge them inappropriate, but given, given uh, appropriate or inappropriate, but given to them wisely, right? Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Investigate what we're doing with our resources. Make sure that we're doing it in a way that would honor God and also help the people to grow. All of our ministries seem to be among folks that are hurting. That's what we specialize in. And hurting people reject help very frequently. I don't know what it is about that, but that's what happens. And so out of this little reading, the giving, we could just throw services and love and compassion on people's lives from now until forever and really make no impact for the kingdom of heaven. And what we're learning is that we need to be decidedly uh, correct about how we invest our time, our hearts, God's message, whom we're going to put it into, and we're going to look for the results even more better this year than last. Is that a good, good direction, okay? Something we need to do. It's, it's always easy. The poor will have with us always, right? We'll not always have Jesus with us. There's, a, there's a, a point when you begin to learn that you can put good out there all day long if people are making fun of good. You can put Jesus out in front of people all day long if they're making fun of Jesus. Uh, one of our students, friends, uh, his, his science teacher ripped up a picture of Jesus he found right in the class. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there just very angry, very uh, sectarian <laughs> or against sectarian, that is against religion. And in the, in the secular world, it's getting pretty nasty. I'm probably sure that you've seen some of that. You've experienced some of it. And uh, so we want to make sure that we're very careful about how we uh, give away what God has given to us. We want to make sure that it honors God. Second thing, we want to go to Matthew 25. Being wise like a serpent and gentle as a dove. We can do all these things. It seems like we're on a learning curve. You know, we've been around 11 years. It seems like a long time. I've been ministering since 1984. You think you'd start knowing something. But every time you get around a group of people, you fall in love with them. You know, your heart leads, and then you say, is this okay? God, is this all right? I'm over here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And, you know, you just spend yourself, and you wind up whipped. People are tired, and they get nothing out of it, and then they lose their joy. That's not good. So we have to learn how to be correct in our giving. And we are working on that more, more diligently every day. I think about the investment process. I won't read all of this to you, but you're familiar with the, in chapter 25, about the parable of the talents, where one of the servants, um, I think it begins around uh, verse 14, and where one of the servants was given five talents because the master was going on a long trip. Another was given two, and another one was given one talent. And as the master returned, he wanted to get an account. And I'll just read a portion of this. After a long time, beginning of verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought, uh, brought the other five. Mastery said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well, listen to the joy in the master's heart. Well done. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in what? In your master's happiness. Wise investments always bring a smile. Ask anybody that's been involved in the economics of this country who invested wisely, who's been able to step back and watch the world go on teeter-totter back and forth between the brink of financial destruction while others seem to just stand perfectly still. But those who make wise investments, who understand that there's more than just raising a few dollars today or making a few extra bucks today or giving a good speech tomorrow and getting something for the coffers, there's more to life. It's about quality. It's about integrity. It's about knowing who you stand for. It's about moving forward with a plan that makes sense so that when the real master comes home and he calls us to himself, he can say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus wants us to invest wisely. What does that mean to you? You evaluate your ministries that you support. You evaluate them, and you must. And you have very good missions work that you support. And we want you to know that we intend and have in the past and will continue to do so to be a wise investment for the kingdom of heaven. We make sure that everything that we do is done for the glory of God. We have stood our test in the community. We're known as the only ecumenical, excuse me, the only evangelical church in the West Ward. People know us as those who share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else could you want to be known for? I ask you. But that sounds easy, but it wasn't easy. There's a lot of people who have tried to draw us away and include us in their programs, their processes, whether they be political or economic or secular, trying to bring us in and be part of what they do. And then what happens is that Jesus gets watered down. And we've had to take a stand. And we said, no, we will do what Jesus tells us to do. We'll do that well. And if it happens to bless you along the way, so be it. But we're not going to do it for the mayor. We're not going to do it for the town council. We're not going to do it for weed and seed. We're not going to do it for summer nights. We're going to do it for the glory of God. So wherever we get involved... They know that if Legacy Ministries is going to be involved, that Jesus is there. I want you to know that. It's the best investment we can make. Stand up, be identified as a Christian, as a Christian man, as a Christian pastor, as a Christian church who honors and glorifies God. That's all we're there for. We're not special. We just made a decision not to try to be like everyone else. We want Jesus to be honored. Okay? We want that. So we, we believe that we want to see that well done or hear that well done, good and faithful servant. And we want to partake in the joy of our master when he comes home. And again, you help us to do such things. And finally, in Matthew 26, something that really touched my heart as I was reading over the past week. When you think about the, uh, the anointing of Jesus in Bethany, just before he went to his triumphal entry and into the Passion Week, 
verse 6 in chapter 26. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he, was, as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This, perfu- excuse me, this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Just think about that. Mm. The poor you will have always with you, but you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for for burial. And I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Man, I would like to have a heart like that woman. That was a sacrificial gift. I know the theologians have gone back and said, we think this is so-and-so or so-and-so, but let's forget about the woman's name. Jesus didn't mention it. What was it that brought Jesus to the point where he would say that this woman's actions, not her name, but her actions would be remembered as long as the gospel was preached, was that she took the time, she saw what was going on. She saw the glory of God in Christ. She believed that he was the Savior. She believed that he was going to the cross for the sins of mankind. And she took the one thing that she had left that meant anything to her, the most precious of gifts, a year's worth of wages, and opened that up and poured it on Jesus' head and on his body. She gave because she knew who Jesus was. She knew that he came and her life was made better because of his presence. And she gave. It was the act of perfect giving. Not the act of, hey, look, look what I'm doing over here with this alabaster jar. I'm breaking it open and pouring it on Jesus. She didn't do that. She did it in a very humble way. And human beings reacted like, what are you wasting that for, man? We could feed a lot of people. She saw something that other people did not. She saw Christ the Savior. She understood in her heart. She knew that that little flask meant nothing by comparison to the fragrance of the life of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and the blessing that would follow his death. And so Jesus was able to say, if you can give like this, if you can see that its purpose is to glorify God, and if you can do it willingly and with an unabashed heart, demonstrate your love to the Lord of lords and the King of kings, that that kind of giving will be spoken about until Jesus returns, as long as the gospel is preached. And I encourage you, in your life, I encourage our own congregation in their lives to give freely. 
for freely we have received. Give in a way that is intelligent, diligent, it's integral, and it honors God. And if we do those things together as the body of Christ, many things will happen for the good. Many souls will be saved. Many converts will come. Many churches will be planted. Many more eternal hallelujahs will be raised in the heavenlies, according to Ephesians 3. What a beautiful picture. And it all starts with being able to let go of what God has given to me in the first place. Give it with my heart. Give it with passion. And watch God do something wonderful with it. That's all I have to say on that. I brought some ideas here with you. We have put some things on the table. I hardly ever do that when I come here. But one of the things that we've, one of the two most important things that we've done this year at Legacy Ministries, I want to kind of give you an update. Other than the fact that we are, yes, doing church services, 1030 Sunday morning, the Spanish church meets at 1.30, and it's growing. The, the church is busy every single night of the week. Something is going on in that little building. People are coming to know God. They're, they're fellowshipping together. Good things are transpiring. And we have, as a matter of fact, what really thrilled me was last week a man came um, to our church, and he said he had been, he goes to another church, but he was just, he wanted to ask. He lives in our locale. And he, wanted, he was asking people where a good church was. And somebody said, why don't you go to Legacy Ministries in the church without walls? I hear that they're pretty good people over there. And when he came in and he told me that, I, I felt something in my own heart, a peace. You know, my desire has always been to be of good report, not only in the church. In other words, I want you to know I'm standing on the gospel, <laughs> on the rock. But to be in good report with people outside. And the people that they were, he asked, he didn't ask people from churches. He asked the people in the West Ward. And he said, go to that church. And that amazed me. Turned out that he was, um, oh my goodness, Red Beret. The, the, our guys that guard us, the Red Guardian Angels. And it just so happened, had given a key to the, the head of the Guardian Angels in Easton that they could use our church when they patrol at night. They could come and use it for comfort for warmth or, or cool, cool drinks, coffee, rest stops, and things of that sort. He said, you know that we can't even walk around the city as a guardian angel and walk into a Dunkin' Donuts on 13th Street. We can buy coffee and donuts there, but they don't want us to stand there because it tells all the people in the city that there might be a problem there. So they shoo them out of there. And yet they're bringing protection to the people of the West Ward. And so a simple act of taking a church key, I don't mean the kind that you break a beer with, I'm talking, about a, I'm talking about a key that goes to a church and giving it to the head of the guardian angels has impacted that group of people. Simple things. Giving them respect. I know that if you come in our church building that it will be just as good as when you leave as when you came in. That it will be clean, that the coffee pots will be cleaned up, that if you drank cold water that... You won't leave the cups laying around. See? This is a simple process of integrating yourself into community. We need to learn how to do that. We need to teach our kids how to integrate into community. 
we started a program or a, a ministry called J-Wear. Uh, I did put a couple of the shirts on the back. I want you guys to see what our teenagers can do. These are kids that are usually dropouts. Kids that really have absolutely no future. And yet Val and Dean Piacentini, who are our youth group leaders, have formed a 501c3. We just got the paperwork back from Pennsylvania. It's a legitimate nonprofit organization that does heat transfers under T-shirts and to sweatshirts. Now, it sounds like not a big deal, but when you have kids who don't think that there's anything left for them to do, there's no educational path, there's no real employment, when you can teach them how to run a business, when you can teach them how to do cost averaging, when you can teach them the difference between profit and loss, and you can teach them how to plan and go and buy the right materials and get the transfers and then do and make the product and also go out and get the sales. You're teaching them something very practical. Do you know that they've had over $5,000 worth of sales? Isn't that amazing? We get a $10 donation for the church. We are actually selling T-shirts to Weed and Seed, to the city of Easton, to all kinds of people. They, they like the quality of the work. I want you to look at it back there. It's really pretty interesting. So our teens are, now listen, they don't get any of this money. They put it back into the, uh, the savings account, and they use it for uh, missions and ministries. And because so many people are losing their jobs, we had people in our church lose their job. Uh, a couple of the kids came up and said, Pastor, can we take some of this money and give it to the family? that just lost, both the husband and wife both lost their, their job. And so they were using it for benevolence. They're learning something. Now, here's another kicker. They can't read and write. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. How old are they, Donna? Anywhere from 15 to 20? <laughs> All right? Now, listen. So the kids start saying, hey, we can't do it. We don't know how to do this. We understand what you're saying, but we've never, we, don't have the, we don't have the wherewithal. So comes the Westward Academy. And that's why I brought Donna with us today. Donna has on her heart a desire to begin an academy called the Westward Academy, which is part of the network of street schools across America. We're going to start a school. It's an after-school program this September, this month, where we're going to do uh, cognitive training and assessment for students and also teach them how to be through a, a virtual type of computer program Teach them how to be fiscally responsible. Two major areas of their life where they need to learn how to deal with money and learn how not to be so overwhelmed with life so that we can eventually in five years establish a street school that will be for the purpose of diplomas, high school diplomas, okay? So Donna's going to be here later and back at that back table. I want anybody that's interested in that kind of outreach, I want you to talk to her. Very, very important, right? This is grassroots. We just started it. I know it's going to work. We prayed this baby into, into being here, <laughs> okay? And, and, but so what's so wonderful is you, you, we put the cart before the horse. We said, let's go do something. Then the kid says, hey, we want to do it, but we can't. We need an education. No kidding. Now all of a sudden they have a desire to, to be educated. Well, great. Now we're going to educate them. Teach them how to think, put Jesus in their hearts, give them a way to be entrepreneurial in their, in their spirit, and overcome what's going on in this world. All right? We See, Christians can do that. That's the church of the future. I'm not saying it because that's what we're doing, but that is the church of the future. You know, what we're doing here is fine, but this needs to be a trampoline out.
to go find our way into the community so that we can impact what God has told us to impact. Very, very powerful stuff. So I want you to talk with Donna about that. Take a look at Jayware. Uh, I want you to know that we continue to work very hard at Northampton County Prison. We have a man in there all day on Thursdays. We're, um, we do overcomers in Christ meetings, one-on-one visitations, and uh, we also uh, participate in worship services over there. And I'll tell you something. You want to see the Spirit of God move in that place, in that prison. I've had men on their faces confessing, <laughs> just laying down, being filled with God. See, something powerful out there. We've got to tap into it. His name is Jesus. All right? Hear me on this. Spirit of God, when he moves, he moves. Book of Acts is full of this. It didn't just stop. Same God. It's the same God. It's the same God. And so we see the power of God at work in Northampton County Prison. This Overcomers in Christ ministry is continuing, continuing to grow. It is such a great ministry. Anybody that has an addiction or affliction or has some kind of thing that they need to overcome, this kind of ministry helps you get on your feet. It's biblical. It's instructional. It's group dynamic. And it saves lives. It saves marriages. It saves all kinds of good things because Jesus is at the center of all of its teaching. And so with that, uh, the Spanish church is growing I just want you to know that our, loose, our youth leadership is just phenomenal. They, they have they got a connection with these kids. That's all I can tell you. The same kids everybody runs away with, runs away from, they run towards them, and the kids love it. They love being told the truth about themselves, that they're God's children. You know, when you have young people that go home to single moms who are sleeping with five different guys who are always drunk and high and they're put in behavioral training schools and, and you look at them and they're struggling to read the word of God. They just get saved and then they go home and live in that kind of environment. And I'm telling you, it exists. This is not an impassioned plea to make you believe something. That's just the way it is. When you see these kids getting filled with God and fighting against what the system tells them they are. They're not losers. They're not the dredges of society. They're human beings. They have the same right to life that God gave to each and every one of us. And we're going to fight for those kids. And we're going to show them a way out. And if it's only one or it's ten or it's a thousand, we don't care. All we want is the ones that God wants us to have. And our youth people are really geared into this. And they love it. And they, they like the fight. They like the fact that the deck is kind of set against us because it really is cool when you just stand up in the name of Jesus. I bless you, brother. In the name of Jesus, I claim you, your heart, your mind, your body for something good and pure and holy. And you see these kids turn and the parents are going, and they come in and fight with you. What are you doing to my kid? Trying to help him. Well, now he's asking me why I'm sleeping with this guy and why there's dope in the house and why I'm drinking over. I got a right to live my life any way I want to. Yeah, I guess you do. If you want to destroy your sons with it, go ahead. This is what we do. It's very frank, not very friendly. It's hard on everybody that's a member of our church. 
It's very straightforward. There's no buffer zones. You're either up and in Jesus or you're not. So you've got to get ready to fight. So that's what we do every day. We want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to do that. Because these people are worth it. And I want to hear my master say, well done, good and faithful servant. God bless you. Thank you.